As our kids head out today, I want to tell you something kind of cool. Um, so if you're a student in preschool or K through fifth grade, you can meet your teachers right over here at these doors, and they will take you to your classes. As always, the nursery um, is open uh, the entire morning, so you can head over there as well. And uh, so if you have kids in that nursery age, that's been open. It's open all morning, every Sunday, and you can take them there. But then our preschool and our K through fifth grade is over here as well. Um, one of the cool things this morning, I was getting ready to leave, and uh, Emily was coming with me because she was going to sing in the band today. And um, as we were getting ready to go, we started realizing we were, we were running late. And I thought, man, we've really got to get going, Emily. We're not going to make it on time. And uh, for the first time ever, I forgot this morning that we had a church trailer. So I left the house and I was driving and I went, wait a minute, we have a trailer that I need to go pick up. So we're going to go ahead and do that real quick. Um, but, but what made me a little later than normal, so it wasn't just forgetting that we had a trailer, which, you know, hey, that happens. Uh, it was also that this morning as I was packing up, I remembered something that my mom had told me. She had said that she was hanging out with our daughter, Maggie, and Maggie was all excited about helping out with church. And many of you know that Maggie runs around and she does all kinds of things as an eight-year-old, getting involved in all kinds of things. But one of the cool things that she does is she's always uh, been the one, she, she takes care of the drum rug every week. That is her job. If you try to take that from her, she is going to tell you so that that is her job. And she does a great job with it, but she also began to take an interest. She, she started helping in the nursery, getting all the toys together. And she said, Grandma, she told my mom, she said, Grandma, that's my job. I'm going to get all the toys together. I'm going to put all the things out. That's what I want to do. And she had one request. She had one request that she decided to ask my mom about that was passed on to me, and it was that she wanted a name tag. She wanted to be official. And if you see folks around here, Chris has one on, other folks do, you'll see them in the kids area with these name tags. I mean, they're just folks you can go to ask questions about, but it's so we know, hey, who's volunteering at what spots, who's doing those things. And so this morning I started to leave the house and I just, I had to stop. And I said, you know what, this is gonna take time. I probably shouldn't do this. This is before I realized we didn't have the trailer, but I went and grabbed the computer. I ran back to my office, I plugged it in, I printed out a name tag, and I took the time, brought it upstairs, put the name tag in the thing, and said, Maggie, get down here. She thought she was in trouble. She walked down the stairs, and I said, I heard you wanted this. She goes, oh, did Grandma make that for me? You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, no, Grandma didn't. Grandma told me, you know, and I was, but then I just, I just gave it to her. I said, now you are official, and you can wear, she, I'll just wear that now. And I said, well, then put it on now. And I said, I'm really proud of you, and you're, you're official this morning. It was really a blessing and a gift today to have Maggie serving, wearing her name tag, to have Emily singing. Uh, we have students all over serving. Yeah, we have students all over serving today. Uh, Mike was on the soundboard, but his son was running the sound most of the service and during the rehearsal. So we had another student on the soundboard. So we have kids serving in all kinds of places. Can we just come on, guys? That's amazing. And, you know, that has been one of the things that we have tried to push. We have been really saying, hey, as we kick off in this new season of Southeast, as we relaunch as a church, and we are in a relaunching season, um, it, is, it is more than time to have students involved in the ministry of this church. This is their 
church. And so today, I want to continue to talk about that. I want to talk about the idea of what does it mean to serve? What can we learn from our students about the way that they serve? What does it mean to contribute into the life of the church? And so today, uh, we're in this five direction series, and we're continuing this idea, okay? And we've been doing this for the past few weeks. These are, these are sort of um, the best way that I can describe the five directions, and I've having a conversation with someone this week about this, is that the five directions are just a way to help us live out our faith. They are not, um, they're really, the best way I can describe them is that they are rhythms of our life. These are not things that are supposed to be some kind of card that I pull up and I go, okay, today I'm going to live out my connect direction, you know, or today I'm going to live out my contribute direction, and today I'm going to live out my compelled direction, and if I do these things, I'll be a better Christian, Um, That would be a works mentality. That would be a, hey, I'm trying to do things the right way. I don't think that's what God wants for us. God doesn't want that from us. God wants for us a life in peace, in rhythm. He wants us to, to be in his rhythm of life. And as we are in that rhythm of life, these are things that we begin to live out. So we begin to see this idea as we, as we begin to understand what God wants for us, to see that he wants a relationship with us, that he moves towards us. We talked about this direction of living in the reality of the grace of God, his invitation to each and every one of us. That is a powerful reality, to live into the grace of God. You know, sometimes I think, and, and maybe you're like this, I feel like, well, maybe I just need to impress God today. Maybe God will be impressed with the way that I'm living instead of realizing I need to just daily wake up and live in his grace. That's a huge gift to us. And then what does it look like for me then to live that out? If, I, if I'm really living in his grace if I have found peace and joy in life, in relationship with God, in relationship through the reality of the church, I want to share that. If I don't want to share it, maybe, maybe I need to rethink how I think about faith. If faith is something that I look at and go, why would anybody else want to do this? That, that, you might want to rethink it a little bit because I want to share it because it's good news. Good news. The rhythm of life and grace and mercy and love. Living out the reality of the love of God in our lives and that love pouring out into this world. Why would I not want to share that with everybody around me? And that's naturally living out that captivate value. Going out in all directions and sharing the love of God with those around me. But I also don't want to do it alone. I want to be connected to those around me. I was hanging out with some friends last night, and we were doing a fantasy football draft, and there was all sorts of fun going on. But as I left, the, as I left that draft, I realized two things. Number one, I'm terrible at fantasy football. My team is awful. Uh, the second thing I realized, um, I'm not even going to tell you. If you want to talk about it later, I could use some help. So I was, I was thinking about making trades that night. Um, you know you're in trouble then. But the second thing I realized as I was leaving was the gift of friendship, these two friends, they're, 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 they both are Christians. They follow Jesus. And I thought, what a gift to have this relationship with these guys and to recognize that relationship that I have. And so I, te- I just sent them a text and I said, I'm, I'm so thankful for our relationship. I'm thankful that we get to walk this life together and I want to spend more time with you. 
I want to spend more time with you guys. You're a good influence on my life. We all need people in our lives like that that just help us, just, just are there for us, that just come alongside us. And, and I said last week, I think, I think that a church is a great place to find those relationships, but there is something powerful about opening ourselves up to relationship with other people around us. And I think that's a reality of just, again, the rhythm of the good news of Jesus. I want to share it with people around me, and I want to share that life with people around me. I want to share my life. I want to be around others who are exploring the way of Jesus. There's something about that that just has meaning and value in our lives. So today we come to this contribute direction which is the idea of now going beyond and seeing beyond my life, maybe seeing something bigger than me, that I'm part of something that is bigger than just my own life. It's not just about me. It's about others around us. I told you about our daughter Maggie earlier, and uh, I want to tell you another story about her because I have so many stories that she's, she cracks me up. She's, she's so funny, and if you don't know Maggie, um, just, you just have to get to know Max. She's just, she's just awesome. She is the life of the party. And so the other day, um, we were hanging out and we were talking, and Maggie has started to learn the value of money. She has started to understand that with money, you can buy things, and without money, those same things aren't as accessible to you. Now, she has yet to really understand where the money comes from, She just knows that there is something about this idea that there's this dollar sign and something, and then I can get something from that, and that's sort of how that works. So I thought, you know, I should probably start teaching her about this, because, you know, we'll go somewhere, and she'll go, well, you can buy that for me. And I was like, well, now, where do you think that comes from? She goes, well, it's mommy's money. I mean, that's how that works, right? And I was like, yes, yes, it is. It is always mommy's money. And I just, so, you know, we're kind of like trying to figure out, okay, so how do I teach her this? How do I do this? How do I help her understand how this works? So I started thinking back to my own childhood and my mom, uh, when I started getting an allowance, you know, she sat me down and, and, you know, you don't, here's the great thing about this is we're all obsessed with apps. We're all obsessed with computers. You know, we all think, well, maybe there's an app that would help me to teach my kid how to do money. I'm going to tell you right now, I figured out the best thing is pen and paper it just works. You don't have to mess with a computer. You don't have to work with an app. You don't have to even pay a subscription to use it. Pen and paper, my friends, is virtually free. And so we got pen and paper out. She argued with me because she said, I know what I'm doing. I said, no, honey, you do not. I, I, I need to help you understand this. And so we're sitting down and I'm teaching her about some of these buckets. And I've taught on this before and I'm sure we'll teach on it again, but I just want to touch on this idea. I started teaching her these buckets of give and save and live. That Maggie, there's something powerful that happens when you begin to take those dollars that you have and you begin to say, hey, there's a give bucket, okay, that I'm going to see things beyond just my needs. There's a save bucket that helps me think about the future. And there's a live bucket that I get to say, hey, I do want that stuffy. I can go buy that right now. I said, you have to figure out how to begin to go into those different buckets. Now, her sister has a gigantic save bucket. She loves her save bucket. She doesn't spend any money. So it makes Maggie upset because Emily has this giant save bucket. And I told Maggie, I said, Maggie, you keep spending. You're not going to have any kind of give bucket or any kind of live bucket. In fact, you're probably not going to have any kind of give bucket, which is the lesson that I'm really trying to teach her. Because the lesson that I really want my kids to see And what I want them to understand that I think is the linchpin for us today 
is understanding the value that we're putting into these dollars that we have. I want her to see life is more than just about what you want or what you need. I want you to see the value of what you're spending. I want you to see something about how we use these buckets. I want her to learn about the prioritization of those buckets. And here's really what it's all about. I get it trying to work with my kid on this, but I feel like I learn just as much from her when I'm teaching her about these things is that how we spend our money, and you guys know this. I mean, this is just something, you know, this isn't a brilliant idea. We all know this. How we spend our money reveals what we value, right? How we spend our money reveals what we value. Another way to think about it is that our bank transactions show what we value. And here's a way to think about that. Sometimes we say, well, you know, I really value this cause, Or I really value this thing in life. This is really important to me. And we could really begin to to really push on that. I really value family time. I really really value education. I really value these things. But at the end of the day, what happens is we all get a bank statement or a credit card statement. We have the ability to open that up. And as we read through those transactions, those things are actually going to reveal what we value. See, it's easy to say at the beginning of the month, here's what I value, but at the end of the month, we're more likely to see what we actually value because we'll find it in those transactions, in those things. If we follow our money, we will find where we put our time, our energy, and our passion. Now, this is one of those places. This is so fascinating because if we look to the scriptures, We find that the authors of the Bible have so much to say about our money because it's all behind this principle. You know, we can say things like, well, the modern banking system doesn't look like the ancient world, where in fact, it still really does. Because at the end of the day, it's still about, here's what I got, here's how I spent it, here's how much I have left. That's the reality. Whether it's digital, whether it's hard coin, whether it's not, we all can see the value in the transactions. So we see in the scriptures, we see these passages that tell us so much about this principle and these ideas. Now, even if you didn't know, you've probably heard some of these uh, passages quoted from scripture, but listen listen to a few of these. 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all evil, right? We've heard that before. Proverbs 22.7 says, the borrower is slave to the lender. I know that one. I knew Sally May. I think I knew Sally May personally. So the borrower is slave to the lender, right? And maybe you've heard this one from the teaching of Jesus. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that last one shows us something important. Because in that section of teaching, Jesus is showing us, this is so cool, we have a choice. We have a choice. We can spend our resources on things that fade or we can invest in something of eternal significance. We can invest our lives in things that have no value when we're gone. Or we can invest our lives in things that have eternal significance and will continue well beyond our lives. I just saw one of these depressing things that somebody was talking about. I feel like I've talked about this before, but it was so powerful. Someone said, you know, the reality is that someday your picture is going to be up on a mantle 
And someday that picture is going to disappear. Someday someone is going to live in the house that you tried so hard to acquire. Your car, at the end of the day, the best thing that could possibly happen is that it ends up in some collector's garage, but it's most likely going to end up in some junkyard somewhere gathering rust. The deeds that you owned that you were so passionate about, they're going to be gone. In your name, your grandchildren's children probably won't even know it. How many of us really know anything about our grandfather's grandfathers? If you do, that's wonderful. But the reality is most things in life will fade away. In a couple weeks, everybody's going to get jacked up because there's a new iPhone coming out. Now listen, I'm a huge Apple guy, and I'm like, oh, what are we going to be doing? What's going to happen here? What's going to be taking place, right? But in like two years, it's obsolete. It doesn't even matter anymore. It's so easy to get caught up, especially in today's world. We just, we're so easily caught up on the next great thing, and we don't have anything that lasts anymore. But what Jesus is saying is, you can. You can have something that lasts. And isn't that why we're here? Isn't that one of the pictures that we're supposed to have of the church? The church is a gathering of people discovering the eternal reality of God's love. Isn't that way we hang out today? I don't come here because this is something brand new that we just figured out. I come here because the story of God, the story of God rescuing humanity is as old as time itself. That's why I'm here, because I'm a part of a story that goes way beyond my life. That's why I come into this moment with you and everybody who gathers together for worship. We gather with people around the world who understand that God's love is eternal, behind and forward in front of us forever. He is Alpha and Omega. That's why we're here. Finding the perfect picture of God's love and the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, learning to live through that love and sharing that love with our world. That's the picture. That is eternal. Listen to the fuller context of this verse. Jesus said, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves don't break in and steal, for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. See, what he's saying is, if we're not careful, we'll get our priorities out of whack. And we might not even realize it. This is, this is the, the power of this. We might not even realize it until we open our banking app or until we get our credit card statement. And then we look and realize it's all out of whack, which is why a lot of us will open something and go, oh, that's what I owe. Close, write, check, get online, whatever, send it in and be done with it. Because if I take an inventory, then I got to get serious. If I'm like, Jill, maybe we should sit down and talk about what we've been doing, then I got to get serious about my priorities. There's a quote attributed to a theologian and monk named Thomas Merton. It's actually attributed to several different people over the last century. It helps us visualize this idea, and I love this. It says, people may spend their whole lives climbing the ladder of success only to find once they reach the top that the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. I think you could replace success there with anything because we're all climbing some sort of ladder, right? We're all climbing some sort of ladder in life that if I get to the top of this ladder, I will find significance, I'll find happiness, I'll find joy, I'll find contentment at the top of that ladder. 
And Merton and others are saying, listen, what happens though, what the danger if we're not careful is, is we begin to climb that ladder. And this is especially true for the younger people who are here today, especially our students. They can begin to put their ladder against the right wall. Some of us, it's really hard because I have to go over here and I have to move this ladder. And when I begin to move that ladder, when I change my importance, that hurts, that takes work, that takes effort. Some of us have moved that ladder in our lives and it gets really heavy the more we get on it because what you don't do is you don't typically get to get to the top and climb down to the bottom of the ladder, pick the ladder up, grab a friend who helps you move it, put it over against the right wall. What ends up happening is you're halfway up the ladder and you end up finding that you have to somehow sort of scoot the ladder over while you're moving it. So what do we do? We have to figure this out. We have to realize I'm leaning against the wrong wall. There's got to be a better way to live. I don't want my ladder to be against the wrong wall. I don't want my ladder to be on the wall where when I get to the top, I realize, wait, none of this stuff mattered. None of this was important. I was along the wrong ladder the whole time. The ladder, the wall, it's all going to rust away and nobody's going to know anything. But if I have it on the right wall, something happens. If I move the ladder to the correct wall, all of a sudden, my, grandchild, my grandchildren's grandchildren might not know my name, but they're going to know my influence. They, they might not remember great-great-grandpa but they'll remember the influence that great-great-grandpa had on their children and their children and their children and their children because their ladder was against the correct wall. And that's what the authors of the Bible, that's the principle that Jesus is pointing us to, is to be intentional with the resources of our lives. And when we do that, when we invest in things of eternal significance, we discover transformation in our faith we discover transformation in our lives. We discover transformation in our legacy. One time, Jesus was confronted by some religious leaders, and they were debating about paying taxes. <laughs> some things never change. But these, these, these leaders were debating about paying taxes, and it was kind of a trap. It was also a debate that was going on in the ancient world. Because paying taxes or not paying taxes sort of sets you up in a certain camp in that world. Remember, the, the land that Jesus lived in had been conquered by the Romans. So to pay taxes to the Romans is sort of to accept Roman authority, to assume these are the people who are in charge of everything. So if I give this tax to the Romans, I'm saying that my life is theirs. So I'm going to give to them. There's another group of people that they were like, well, Jesus, what do you think about this? And they wanted Jesus to say, no, 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 you do not pay taxes to the Romans. But if Jesus goes into that camp, Jesus is now a revolutionary who wants to overthrow the Romans. And this is going to lead to a certain kind of reality that had existed for a long time where there had been all these people who had shown up and said, we need to overthrow the Romans. That's the answer. We're going to set up a totally different kind of thing going on here. That's what we're supposed to do. And so whatever Jesus does, however he answers this question, at least they think so, is going to set him in one of these camps. And both of these camps in the long run are super problematic and get in the way of Jesus's message of new life in the kingdom. Now, they don't know that. They're just asking a question, trying to trap him. But Jesus does this thing that he always does because he's brilliant. When he teaches, he takes the question and he flips it on its head 
And he shows everybody, not just in that day, but in our day, a principle that we can apply to our lives. It says, tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. So they brought him a denarius. And he asked him, whose image is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar, and to God what is God's. And when they heard this, they were amazed, so they left him and went away. And it's like, okay, well, why were they amazed by this? What is he really showing them about this idea, about this image? So he's saying, look, there's this coin, and on this coin is imprinted. On this coin is placed in this coin the image of Caesar. So give it back to Caesar. Give to Caesar what has Caesar's image on it. But give to God what has God's image on it. Now remember, these are religious teachers. They know the scriptures. They would automatically, their brains do this cool thing where they just sort of connect all kinds of ideas. They're able to see all the ways that all of this is intersecting. And so sometimes we have to stop and go, okay, what are the intersection points? Why were they amazed, right? This is what I always talk about scripture, right? When we read scripture, they were amazed. If you go, why were they amazed? Great question. Let's keep digging. Why did they walk away? What's going on? What's happening here? Well, if we go back to the scriptures, if we go to Genesis 1, we see this. And I said, this is why I think they were amazed. Genesis 1, 26 says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Do you see why they're amazed? Jesus is telling them, you are, and I am, and you are bearers of the image of God. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Give to Caesar what has his image on it, but give to God what has God's image on it. And when you see you are made in the image of God, your life, your purpose has all new meaning. Why would I want to invest my life in anything that fades if I bear the image of God. Let me shift this away from from money for a second. Why would I invest my life in worry and fear if I bear the image of God? Why would I invest my life into hating all kinds of other people If I bear the image of God and they bear the image of God, why would I do that? Because that's a waste of my life because I know at the end of the day that it is love that conquers all, that it is love that it is eternal, that it is God's grace and mercy and love that goes on forever and hate and fear and worry and all this disappears, it all fades away. So why would I invest my time, my resources, my life in things that fade away? 
I don't have time to not love other people. I don't have time to hate other people because I'm investing my life in the love of Jesus. And if I invest my life fully in the love of Jesus, I'm not going to have time for any of that. See, this is walking into the rhythm of God's grace. I am an image bearer. You are an image bearer. I'm going to invest my life in the things of God. What a powerful, powerful reality. There's another quote that I heard that I, I wrote down this week that I thought was really cool, and it's, just, it's an easy one to remember, something we can take with us. The best use of your life is to invest it in something that will outlast it. The best use of your life is to invest it in something will, that will outlast it. And honestly, <laughs> I think if we look at anything else in this world, I'm not saying don't have passions. I'm not saying don't live out your giftedness. I'm not saying don't care about, about things. What I'm saying is your full investment is in things that outlast. Those are the things of God. Invest in his love, invest in his mercy, invest in his grace, invest in the relationships with others around us. Invest in God's justice in this world. But so many other things fade away. Why would I invest in those things? As Maggie and I sat with her coins, <laughs> one of the things we did was I looked at the faces on them. I, I don't know if you're like us, but, um, you know, we, obviously I use, you know, my my debit card a lot, right? I use a credit card a lot. I don't really carry a lot of coins around. My dad used to have this little coin purse and he would pop it open and you know, there'd be all these coins inside and it never made sense to me because I, I don't use coins, right? So Maggie takes her bank and, or little you know, piggy bank and she opens it up and she pours all the coins out and she's trying to you know, count them all. And I start looking at them and I was like, I don't even recognize half of these. When did they change the faces on these, what happened? Like all these faces are gigantic. I was like, when did this happen? Who changed this? She's like, Daddy, they've always been like that. Okay, well. So I'm looking at him, and I'm looking at these faces on these, <laughs> and the faces change. The faces change, but what I'm trying to teach her doesn't. What Jesus is trying to teach us doesn't change. The, the face doesn't, it doesn't have Caesar on it anymore. It has Abraham Lincoln on it. Right? The, the, the face is going to change, but the principle here doesn't change. What I'm trying to teach her will never change. What I'm trying to teach her is that her life goes beyond herself. I want to teach my kids not to be unselfish. I want to, I want to teach my kids to live an unselfish life. I want them to teach them how to live a life that isn't just about them. I want to teach them a life that isn't entitled, a life that has its ladder against the right wall. That's what I want to teach my kids. And I know that I messed up over time. I know there are places where I had the ladder on the wrong wall and it hurt really bad to get it there. And sometimes, I, let's be honest, sometimes our ladders kind of just move back and forth on these walls. But I want to be on the right wall as often as I can. And so I want to try to live that out for her. And I hope we've succeeded. I hope we've done the best we can. And honestly, the times that I think we've done it best is because of this church, and I'm being serious here. I know that sounds, it could be easy for me to be like, well, it's been, you know, part of the church that that's made the difference, but I mean that. Because this church has been a significant part of my kids' lives for their entire lives. My kids don't really know the inside of a church building. They know what it looks like to watch other people tearing down chairs and setting them up. 
they understand what it means to say this is a community who comes together because church for them has happened at our house, hanging around our pool or sitting in our backyard. It's coming together here and serving together. And I'm so proud that the first thing they think of is getting here in the morning and setting up and tearing down and being a part of that. Somehow in all of that, I feel like we've succeeded in some way. I look back and I see ups and downs. I see mountaintop moments at Southeast. I see low points for all of us. I couldn't have anticipated the last three years of where we've been. But I know that as I sit here in 2023, I'm probably more excited than I've ever been. One of the conversations that we had to have at our dinner table in this last year was really what comes next. What happens? Where do we go from here? Because we recognized and saw that this is a new start. This is a fresh place. We are at a ground zero kind of mentality building up from the beginning again. And I've been through it with Jill and I had to wonder, do I want to take my kids through that again? Because that's a lot of hard work and it is tough. And it means that we don't take a whole lot of breaks from it. And so we sat at a table and I said, are you guys all in? Because we're going to have to be all in. And then Maggie answers it. Give me a name tag, daddy. And Emily answers it. Says, I want to sing, dad. And I couldn't be more proud. Because they're putting their ladders against the right walls, guys. So don't, you don't have to listen to me. But man, I, listen to my kids. (laughs) They got something figured out. See, this contribute direction I'm talking about, this arrow is about living in this reality that life is bigger than just us, that we get to be a part of something that is bigger than ourselves. Here, we're part of this local expression of the universal reality of God's church. We have an opportunity to invite others into that. But honestly... I think sometimes we've got to invite ourselves into that to recognize the cool thing we have right here, the people around us, to make an impact and a difference. I'm not going to go invest my life in stuff that isn't eternal because I got Kurt and I got Matt and I got other people to say, hey, man, <laughs> come over here. Come here. I don't have to go out and be the only one talking about the good news of Jesus because Jesus has commanded all his followers to go and share his love. And so I can see that with everybody. So this is really just about moving our ladder, getting it against the right wall, and recognizing what God has for us. God, we are just so thankful that we just get to walk in your love that we have this invitation just to walk in your mercy and your grace. That God, as we do that, we recognize that all the things that fade away, all the worry and the fear that we have, some of that can just begin to fade. Now, we know we can trust and we know that we can love. We, We know we can follow you into the life that you have for us. God, in that reality, we find purpose and mission. We find something so far beyond ourselves. God, we are just so thankful for that. In your name we pray. Amen.